A man has ruined a weekend away with his girlfriend by saying what he was thinking. <laughs> Our reporter Emma Bradford is at the scene. Martin Bishop and Eleanor Shaw had stopped at a cosy country pub after a romantic walk when Ms Shaw looked up meaningfully at Bishop and asked what he was thinking at that very moment. <laughs> the weekend was about to go very wrong indeed. I was hoping he would say, maybe, this would be a, a great place to bring the kids one day. <laughs> or even something corny but sweet, like, I have everything I'll ever need right here. <laughs> and what did you say, Martin? I said, pigs are much bigger than you expect. <laughs> Alrighty then. What's happening? Happy hump day. Hump day! You know, the one thing that I don't like about this show that I'm doing is that I choose to record it and post it on Wednesdays. In the morning, usually. The news cycle has kind of been my enemy. The juicy stories, they tend to drop on Thursdays and Fridays. But I do it on Wednesdays because... It's the worst day of the week for most people. Like right in the middle of our work week. Weekend still seems off in the distant future. No exciting sports happen, usually until the weekend. So it's prime time for me to drop my dumb jokes and try to be entertaining or insightful. Keyword there is try. <laughs> but this week, I got lucky. Because yesterday morning, Governor Cuomo called a press conference. And he said this. And I think that given the circumstances, the best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. And therefore, that's what I'll do. Because I work for you. And doing the right thing is doing the right thing for you. Because as we say, it's not about me. It's about we. And my resignation will be effective in 14 days. Now, I had to edit the shit out of this because this windbag took 22 minutes to yammer on and on, basically defending himself, but admitting to touching and hugging and kissing staffers. Now, he says he's a victim of the changing times that he simply didn't keep up with. Again, he's old school, remember? And I kind of feel bad for the guy because I liked him. But, you know, look, grab him by the pussy doesn't stand up as a way of life for men in power these days. But he tendered his resignation. I'll give him that. He shocked everybody. Because he knew the evidence was stacked against him. But he didn't go down before telling the country that the report was bullshit. The Attorney General did a report on complaints made against me by certain women for my conduct. The report said I sexually harassed 11 women. That was the headline people heard and saw and reacted to. The reaction was outrage. It should have been. However, it was also false. My lawyers, as you just heard from Rita Glavin, have reviewed the report over the past several days and have already raised serious issues and flaws that should concern all New Yorkers. Because when there is a bias or a lack of fairness in the justice system, it is a concern for everyone. 
not just those immediately affected. The most serious allegations made against me had no credible factual basis in the report. And there is a difference between alleged improper conduct and concluding sexual harassment. You know, I won't say this is a witch hunt, but Marona, me, it's more like a bitch hunt. But this is akin to Clinton saying, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Horrible (laughs) Clinton impersonation. (laughs) And remember, Clinton was impeached. Now, he was guilty. Now, he should have done the right thing and resigned. But he'd have been forced out of the Oval Office if he didn't have a Democratic majority in the Senate. Like the last two presidents who've been impeached were lucky to have a Senate majority or they'd have been out on their asses. But Cuomo's situation is different. I mean, he had people bailing left and right and center until he could no longer defend himself. But at least he admitted to doing some of the things they said he did, even if he didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I thought a hug and putting my arm around a staff person while taking a picture was friendly, but she found it to be too forward. I kissed a woman on the cheek at a wedding, and I thought I was being nice, but she felt that it was too aggressive. I have slipped and called people honey, sweetheart, and darling. I meant it to be endearing, but women found it dated and offensive. You got to give him credit for that, at the very least, right? But dude, this is like saying, how the hell was I supposed to know she was 14? She looks 16 to me. Yeah, dude, no. Like I said last week, if you're Uncle Andy at a wedding, and you hug someone you don't know, or kiss her on the cheek, no harm, no foul. Now, she might feel skeeved out, or slap your wrinkled Fred Flintstone-looking face, but there's little to no ramifications beyond that. But you, you're in a powerful public office. So, yabba-dabba-doo, motherfucker. But I thought the real gem came when he said this. I said on national TV to a doctor wearing PPE and giving me a COVID nasal swab, you make that gown look good. I was joking. <laughs> Damn, girl, I can see your nipples through your shirt. Come on, I was joking. I wish you were a musical instrument and I was a flower so I could put my tulips on your organ. Joking? Yeah, no, not funny. And how is that even a joke, dipshit? If that's his idea of a joke, this wrinkled guinea needs some comedy lessons. So what's next? In two weeks, he's out. And there's the, here's the irony in all of this, because there's plenty of irony to go around these days, obviously. We practically swim in it. Elliot Spitzer was the Attorney General of New York. Then he became governor. Now, who replaced Spitzer as Attorney General? Andrew Cuomo. And when it was discovered that while governor, Spitzer was paying prostitutes for sex, who took him out? Attorney General Andrew Cuomo. Spitzer's lieutenant governor, David Patterson. He was the he was the guy who was blind, if you remember. So he sat in for two years before Cuomo won the election and then became governor. 
So, if you're keeping score, the last two elected governors of New York have gone down because of a sex scandal. Now, you can't make this shit up. And if CNN had a set of balls, which I doubt they do, they'd force his brother Chris to step down too. Look, I get it. It's his brother. You protect your family. But this is serious shit. And you're supposed to be a journalist. Journalistic integrity is incredibly important. And people don't trust them like they used to because of shit like this. But Chris, you took the ethics class. Everyone has to take it. First year, in fact. Where are your ethics, Chris? Did you forget? The New York Times suspends sports writer Karen Krause for not disclosing that she's working on a book with Michael Phelps while she's covering him during the Olympics. Conflict of interest. Does that seem like a big deal? I mean, they're not related. Chris was working behind the scenes to help his brother and said jack shit about it on the air. Even Cuomo's BFF on the air and off the air, Don Lemon, he's telling him he needs to step away. If that network wants to pretend to swim in the journalistic pool, they'd better act like they belong and yank him off the air. This is why people pit CNN and Fox News against each other, opposite ends of the news spectrum, and they both suffer from a lack of ethics sometimes, often. Mm, What a story. Thank you, news gods. (laughs) You did me a solid this week. And man, I spent Sunday afternoon doing something I hadn't done in quite a while. Uh, I went to this outdoor mall that we have here locally, and I just walked around and people watched. Now, people watching, is it's always been one of my favorite things to do, right? Do that for a while. I, I walked into a bookstore there. I spent close to 90 minutes just browsing, selected a few books to bring home. And I got this creative writing journal. Now, I was gifted one of these a few years ago. Each page will give you a scenario and asks you to write about it. It's like a prompt or, you know, just complete what they started. So the first book that I had like this, it was, was kind of out there. It's like they ask questions like, like you've just woken up and you've been transported to Mars. How do you spend your day? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't know. I think I wrote shitting my pants and using Google Maps to get my ass back home. <laughs> right? This one's better. It asks personal questions about you. So you're able to journal things in your life. Like, you know, your most embarrassing moment. A day you wish you could relive. Or talk about a place you would never go and why. Now, it's addictive doing this stuff if you like to write. So when it's finished, I'm thinking, anyone who picks a book like this up, that was, you know, what, what you finish it, would get a pretty good idea of who you are and what your life has been like. The book is called 301 Writing Ideas, if you're interested in doing this yourself. Also uh, picked up a couple of new self-help books. I like books like this. I like to read things that help me become a better all-around person. Because, you know, I'm not afraid to talk about my flaws. And I always look for ways to improve myself. I think it's healthy. But these books are really easy to read. And the language is very loose. So they're always fun to read. The people watching, though. Look, I'm 56. And I started looking for people who I, I thought were either close to my age or older. I counted a total of seven. And there were at least 1,000 people there. I'm not joking. It was, it was busy. But it sucks getting old, dude. Malls have always been kind of for the younger crowd. 
haven't they? Like, in fact, there was a store that used to be there, and I'll be talking about this in a minute. That The store is gone. It's been replaced by something. I don't know. It was really strange. And that was a grown-up store, and it's, you know, it's not there anymore. Everything's geared for the youth these days, and I'm fine with that. It's just not as fun when you're trying to people watch. You, know, you got over 60, 70% of the people that you're watching are teenagers. That's not as interesting. But it was packed, man. Parking was horrible. I drove around for 20 minutes, almost gave up, and it was hot as hell. Uh, okay, so how am I going to set this up? Hang on a second. Uh, okay, well, so last week after I finished my show, I, I got some texts from a friend of mine, a girl, and I'm not naming names in this story to protect the innocent, just so you know. So she's been single for a while. And she told me a month or two ago that she was going to get back out there. Maybe, you know, try some dating apps. Now, I've had my own sordid history with these things, right? And that's a whole different story. So she messaged me with a couple of horror stories. Like, not actually horrible things. Just things that make you shake your head a little bit. Like, one of these dudes she matched up with, he listed nudism as one of his hobbies. (laughs) It's a hobby. And he had some shirtless pictures and shit. I'm just like, man, this is why I'm glad I'm not a single female. I can't imagine what that's like. I think I just date girls. And I've already been open with my friends about this. I'm not chasing it, man. If it happens, great. If it never happens, fine. I've been to the big dance twice. I'm lucky to have been deeply in love twice. It was wonderful. And this is like the longest stretch that I've been on my own since like high school. And I enjoy it about 95% of the time. But I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't get lonely sometimes. But like I said, man, it's got to happen naturally this time or it's just not going to happen. Because I did the worst possible thing for myself eight years ago. I'm coming out of a 22-year relationship. The best thing you can do is settle in to being single for a while. But I fell into that self-pity shit and my loneliness got the best of me. And then that fall, it just got really bad. And I ended up on dating apps and it was pretty much a debacle. But the worst story for me didn't come from an app. And it wasn't even me going out trolling for women either. I was in Sur La Table one afternoon. Now Sur La Table is a a high-end cooking store. And I'm just checking things out, you know, because sometimes I get inspiration just from shopping at certain stores. So I hear these two women talking a couple aisles over. What's this? What's this used for? Why is this pan so expensive? So I get curious, right? I walk over there and they're looking at Le Creuset cookware, which is some of the finest cookware in the world. So I just decided, well, fuck, I'm going to help. So I said, sorry, overheard you over there. These are cast iron ovens that are enameled. So they're pretty much nonstick. They distribute heat really well. And they allow you to do a wide variety of things in a single pot. Like you can sear in it, deglaze, braise in it, boil stuff. You can even stick it in the oven. I said, I roasted chickens in one of these things once. I made all kinds of stews, beef bourguignon, cassoulet, chili, whatever. It's worth the money. Trust me. You'll own this thing forever. So they were very nice, right? Appreciated my input. So now she's going to test me. She's got this basket. She's got something in her basket. Reaches into the basket. She pulls out a potato ricer. She says, okay, 
what's this used for? I said, okay, well, that's a potato ricer. And basically you boil potatoes, you put them in the strainer basket, you push this part down, and then riced potatoes, which are basically really fine mashed potatoes come out of it. And they're as thin as like grains of rice. And you can use it to, you know, make really smooth potato puree or the best mashed potatoes you've ever had. So she looks at me and let, mind you, she's attractive. Okay. No question. And she says, how do you know all this? Are you a chef? So I explain, look, I, I got a podcast and I do a lot of cooking. She says, oh, podcast. What's it called? So I told her. And then I realized that back then I carried business cards in my wallet for the show. And they happened to have my phone number and my email address on it. So I pull one out. I gave it to her. I figured, look, at the very least, she'll listen to the show and I'll gain a listener. But even better, if she's interested, maybe she'll shoot me an email or a text or call me or something. So now I notice that her friend is looking over her shoulder at my card. And her friend was not attractive, like at all. I don't want to sound mean, all right? Usually good-looking people attract good-looking friends. Not this time, right? So I don't want to be rude, right? So I handed her a card as well. Okay, look, maybe two new listeners of the show. I'll take what I can get. So a few days pass, and I get a phone call, a number that I don't recognize. I usually let the stuff go to voicemail, but I pick this one up. Hey, Phil, it's Valerie. Really pleasant voice, all right? We met at the cooking store at the mall a couple days ago. Oh, hey, Valerie, how are you? She said she listened to my podcast, loved it. You know, was kind of surprised by it. Asked about the different restaurants I'd been to, chefs I'd met, stuff like that. And she tells me about her. You know, she's a school teacher, divorced, no kids, yada, yada, yada. Then she asks if I'd like to meet her for a cup of coffee sometime. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Where do you want to meet? So she says, well, scene of the crime, you know, where we met. There are a bunch of coffee shops in that area. So we set a place, a date and a time. It was a date, okay? Now I'm kind of nervous. My first date in almost 22 years. Well over 22 years, actually. I wondered if I even had game anymore. So I get there early. And I'm nervous, all right? I'm sitting at a table, dicking around with my phone. And I hear a voice. Phil? I look up, and lo and behold, it's the other friend. Not the cute one I initially handed my card to and, and, and talked with at the store. And I'm thinking to myself, fuck. How was I supposed to know which one was named Valerie? We never exchanged names. They got mine from the card. So now I've got to play nice and have coffee with this chick. Now maybe the other friend was already seeing somebody or just wasn't interested in me. So she let her friend have me. I don't know what went down. I never even talked about the other friend. 90 minutes of talking over mediocre coffee and it couldn't end fast enough for me. Conversation was, it was okay, you know, but there was no spark. We had nothing in common. She laughed at everything, almost nervously, but offered like nothing in return. It was like small talk for 90 minutes. She didn't even prepare for the date, all right? Dressed frumpy, put zero effort into her appearance. I made sure I was wearing nice clothes and my hair done nice. I smelled good. But she was one of those women who had zero luck with men. So this seemed like a really big deal for her getting out. And I was glad I could do that for her, you know? But I just wanted to leave. 
I felt embarrassed. So we get up to leave, right? And she's like, uh, maybe we can go out for real next time. Drinks and dinner. And I'm like, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see how it pans out. You know, I'm really busy these days with work and stuff. Uh, I'll give you a call. Trying to get out of there politely, okay? And honestly, I was just really out of practice. I don't know what to say. So I got home and I started getting a little pissed off. Like she could have told me on the phone which friend she was. And that was engaging with her other friend. She and I practically said maybe two words to each other in the store. And I obviously were sh- I was showing interest in her friend, not her. And she could have said which friend she was, but she didn't. So in the end, I, I sent her a text the next day and I said, uh, I didn't feel a connection with her. You know, I let her down politely. So when I told this story to my friend, they laughed in my face. It serves me right for trying to get out there so soon. And my friend's wives were brutal, telling me shit like, you can't always go for looks, Phil. Gotta go for what's inside. I'm like, yeah, but you have to be at least relatively attractive, okay? You weren't the one having shitty coffee for 90 minutes with the bride of Frankenstein. This woman didn't even try. Nine years older than me, no makeup, hair like a bird's nest, mom jeans, and her face, I'm sorry, was just hard to look at. And I don't want to sound shallow, okay? Because the inner beauty thing is extremely important to me too. But I'd like to at least want to have your face, the first thing I want to see in the morning. Call me shallow, vapid, whatever, I don't care. I'm no George Clooney, okay? I get it. But I couldn't see myself with her on my arm. Because a second date implies that we might kiss. And while I'll sometimes kiss on a second date, I also try not to vomit on a second date. And that just set the tone for dating apps, which came next. Because trying to carry on a conversation on one of those apps is like trying to telepathically communicate with a house cat. Either they have nothing to say, talk about shit I wasn't interested in, my fucking Angelou, or worse, like thick as two planks, never got my sense of humor, or they were just looking to hook up and screw, which, you know, I'm just, I'm not interested in. I wasn't then, I'm not now either. You should basically be going on there, looking for a friend first, like a friend you can find attractive inside and outside, and then build a relationship with that person until you realize you can trust them, open up to them, share cool shit with, and then, you know, let the intimacy take over naturally from there. But that's not the place where I think you find that more often than not. I think if you really want to meet new people these days who have like the same interests as you, Use that meetup app. No strings attached. It's just a bunch of people getting together. You know, into if you're into outdoor shit, you're looking for someone who you know, shares the same passions as you do. Lots of people meet up at these things. Bike rides, hikes, kayaking, whatever. Maybe you're into garden walks, art museums, painting classes. They have that shit too. You name it, they've got a meetup for pretty much anything. All kinds of people go, and there's single people that go to these things all the time. You know, you talk to strangers, meet new friends, get to know people. You don't have to try to pick somebody up. Just meet people. Maybe there'll be a spark there for you with somebody. I think that's the best way to go about it now. But getting back to female friends of mine who have been on these apps, dudes are creepy, and they lie through their teeth. One told me she was chatting with this Really attractive guy. Had a, you know, so-so personality. But she agreed to meet him for drinks because he was cute. So she shows up. Not only is this guy drunk, 
but he's at least 50 pounds heavier than he said he was. And he's not even the guy in the pictures. Didn't look a thing like him. And my friend, she doesn't give a shit. She called him out on it. She showed his profile to him and said, that's not you. He's like, oh, I put some weight on. I got sick and, you know, it changes your appearance. You know, another date she was on, the guy told her that he loved her on the first date. I got another friend was on this app, uh, Plenty of Fish, and she had nothing but bad luck. String of turds. Finally, she goes on a date with this one guy, and he, he's trying to make out with her when the date was over. She said, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's like, you know, look, I don't do that stuff on a first date. So what does he say to her? Well, can you at least just grab my penis then? Like, seriously, who acts like this? And other friends getting scammed by dudes on these apps. I've heard a lot of stories like that. It's just a crap fest. I call that one app uh, plenty of carp because it's filled with bottom feeders. But Tinder's probably the worst now. I had no idea what that app was about, right? It was relatively new at the time. It tied into your Facebook account, which was convenient. You know, it pulls your interests and photos from Facebook. But these women, I just couldn't hold a conversation. And when they did, it was only a matter of time before it it led to, you know, okay, so where do you want to do this? And I'm naive, right? I'm like, do what? (laughs) She's like, what do you think? I'm like, oh, man, look, listen, no offense, that's not where I'm at right now. I'm looking for someone fun to hang out with. And I, I didn't regret doing that. I, you know, I do it again. I'm not in my 20s. You do that shit when you're young. Not when you're, you know, a seasoned relationship veteran. You know, looking to finish your life off. But it's definitely fun being on there. Talking to people. Flirting with them, you know. Kind of dabbling in the unknown. But I'm not sure what the success rate of those apps really are. Like, I had nice conversations on there. Don't get me wrong. I think I'm painting, I'm painting a, a bleak picture here. But, you know, they never led to anything. I'd have two to three day conversations that would eventually implode. <laughs> like, there's this, there's this one girl. She was intrigued that I had a podcast. So I sent her a link. And again, look, I'll pimp my shit for a listener, even if it doesn't lead to anything other than, you know, traffic to the website. So she comes back a few days later and said, Well, I'll give you this. You're very engaging. Uh, I think you have a sexy voice, very entertaining, but I don't think it's very nice to make fun of people who've had strokes. And that took me back a little bit here. I'm thinking, what? I made fun of people who had strokes? Now, mind you, I recorded over a hundred episodes over a six year span at that point. I have no idea what I said in that time. So I, I wrote back, what are you talking about? She said, one episode about getting fit, you made a really tasteless joke about people who've had strokes. I didn't find it funny. Then it dawned on me. I remembered. I talked about my health issues and I'd gone to the doctor and my blood pressure was through the roof. So I knew that if I didn't get on blood pressure medication, that I, you know, I could possibly stroke out. And I remember making a joke that if I stroked out, it would be the end of my podcast career. Because no one's going to want to listen to a podcast called My Diaper's a Donny. So I thought to myself, bitch, have a sense of humor. Get over yourself. It's comedy. So I just replied back, sorry that offended you. I try to entertain people who listen to my show. Sometimes I go too far. It's obvious that was too much for you. 
I apologize it offended you. But you and I should probably not discuss anything further. <laughs> I didn't even wait for a response, man. I just deleted her and ended it. It's like I'm waiting for someone, right, who, who can understand me, who not only gets my sense of humor, but, you know, can outdo it, like go below where I go. And I met her eventually. I married her. And I don't regret it. I just, you know, wish it ended differently than it did. But there are true love stories waiting to happen for people on these apps. I just fear for women who are vulnerable enough to get taken. No, men can be predators. The few women that I call friends who are dating and surf these things, I worry about them the most, really. All the signs are there, you know. Shirtless selfies, bicep poses in the bathroom or the gym. All the shit men think women want to see, which clearly indicates they know jack shit about women because they care far less about that stuff than they do, you know, who you are upstairs, who you are as a person. Pretty women date men who might appear out of their league because women know what matters and, and they tend to find men attractive when we can't see what they see. Men are about looks and they think women are just like men. And my friends, most of them at least, uh, they see through that bullshit. And I trust they'll do the right thing because I just don't want to see them get hurt. It's a landscape littered with shitty characters, you know. They always looking to take advantage of people. I just, you know, I hope they all find a diamond in the rough. Because believe you me, it's rough as shit out there. Indeed. Oh man, great letter in the advice column that I read on Slate. Listen to this. My husband and I live near a man in his 70s who is mean, complains about every little thing, and calls the police anytime there's loud music in the neighborhood or if there are suspicious-looking kids hanging too close to his house. He once tried to sue a neighbor over tree branches falling into his yard. My problem is that a couple of weeks ago, I accidentally ran over his cat while pulling into my driveway, killing him. It was well after midnight, and I didn't see him until it was too late. When I told my husband, he quickly scooped up the body, disposed of it a couple miles away, and made me promise not to tell what happened, saying it was an honest mistake and that the cat shouldn't have been out roaming in the first place. Now our neighbor has been going door to door, including ours, asking about his kitty. He's put up posters offering a reward. I feel awful, and I want to tell our neighbor what happened, but my husband is adamant that we keep our mouths shut, fearing the old man will make life a living hell for us. My husband says the man will get over it and has proposed maybe buying him a new cat. Is this an, an acceptable situation? So the columnist gave her solid advice, which I won't go into, but I agree with pretty much all of it. Look, her neighbor is an asshole over shit you shouldn't be an asshole about. Giving him fuel to hate you forever and, and make your life miserable is the worst possible thing you can do. Old men who yell, get off my lawn, are, are the worst kind of neighbors. They're the original Karens, except with, you know, thinning hair, bad knees, and, and hairy balls. I think had he been a kind old man who waved at his neighbors when he saw him or invited them over for beers on his porch, different story. All right, then you can be honest and apologetic. Let him know how sorry you are. Offer to get him a new cat. But people like this, they dig their own graves. My neighborhood is pretty quiet. People keep to themselves for the most part. 
Most are pretty friendly. They wave when they see you. And there are a few I talk in depth with, so I'm, I'm very close to them. But we have one neighbor here who's a total asscake. I wouldn't piss on that old fart if he was on fire, okay? He walks his dog through the neighborhood constantly, like more than anyone should be walking a pet. And the dog is a fucking psychopath. Barks at anyone he sees, especially other dogs. Like he sees another dog, he'll try to attack it, even from across the street. He attacked my dog once. When my neighbor, he let it off leash. The brilliant asshat that he is. I had to break the fight up with my bare hands. Believe me, that's not fun. These are the neighbors who make themselves unlikable and unwelcome. You ignore these people. Like, I wouldn't want to be in this woman's shoes. I know how it feels to hit an animal with your car. Your heart sinks. Makes you sad. But she's lucky, man. She's got a husband. He's a man of action. You know? Got a problem? I'll fix it. Don't say a word. My buddy Don's like that. He's a get-shit-done guy. A good friend bails you out of jail. A great friend helps you hide the body. Remember that. For the longest time, look, we'd have high school kids would park on our street at night because, you know, we're tucked away. We're part of a maze of streets where, you know, cops just don't patrol them. So they'll sit in their car and they'll smoke weed or they'll have sex, right? I never had a problem with that. That's what you do when you're a teenager. You've got to get away from everybody. You've got a car. You go somewhere quiet. And you do your private shit. But then they'd start playing music really loud. And it's 11, right? Or close to midnight. We've all got to work the next day. So I'd give it a little while. But if it continued and I couldn't sleep, you know, I'd walk out there with my police flashlight. I'd blast it into their car. Basically, give them a signal to fuck off. And they'd start the car up in seconds, get the hell out of there. But usually, as long as they kept it quiet, I'd just leave them alone. But other neighbors, we've got neighbors like three doors down. These guys were in college. They were throwing rip-roaring parties. They'd go until one or two in the morning on a Thursday. And they'd spill out into the back patio. So you could hear everything, right? Laughing and crying and puking and all kinds of shit. Because, you know, it's summer. And everyone sleeps with their windows open. So you can hear everything. So my neighbor and I, we were taking turns. We'd just go over there politely, asking me either keep it down or bring it, bring the party inside, run your air conditioner if you have to. Because I'm cool with partying, okay? We all did it when we were young. But, you know, we all, we had to deal with the police coming sometimes, you know, to tell us to keep it quiet. You know what happened to me? I pushed the boundaries. It could happen to you. I think my neighbor eventually, I think she just started calling the police. It violated our homeowners policy. And so the more calls they got, the more it cost them. We have some breaking news to tell you about. A police dog bit a five-year-old boy in South Pasadena tonight. That little boy appeared on the NBC show, This Is Us. Police confirmed the attack happened just a few hours ago at a national night out event in Orange Grove Park. Little boy's father says police brought the dog out for a demonstration for the crowd. Then this happened. He looked at my five-year-old and his ears perked up and he just lunged right for him and just immediately tackled him and bit his face. The father says he had to help police pull the canine off his son, Sebastian. Little boy you saw there was Sebastian's brother. Sebastian will need a few stitches, they say, but he will be okay. Police say the dog that bit him is Barry and they plan to release more details about all of this sometime tomorrow. Well, Barry's getting buried. (laughs) 
<laughs> Man, the police, they just can't get out of their own way sometimes, can they? It's like it's a community event. Get to know your local police, right? Build trust that cops aren't the bad guys. Just to have your kid attacked by a batshit unstable dog from the canine unit. All I could think when I saw that story was, thank God the kid wasn't black. Could you imagine the PR nightmare that would that would have created? You don't think we'd have had crowds of people marching the streets demanding the dog be put down or that the officer gave the order for the dog to attack the kid? It's like, you know, you're not safe from the police. Now, even your own innocent children aren't safe, you know, from a dog that's supposed to only go after bad guys. I should tell you, this this is rare, okay? I've got a lot of experience with dogs. My wife was a dog trainer, and I took part in several of these protection dog training sessions. I even hung out an entire weekend with the LAPD's canine unit at a pet expo a few years ago. These Dutch Shepherds are highly intelligent and are trained not to go after someone until they're given the work word. And the work word is usually, it's, it's different for every dog. So this kid either got too close to the dog or gave the dog some kind of indication that he was a threat or something. Like, if you stare one of these dogs right in the eyes, they'll see you as a threat. It's called mad dogging. You want to get bit by a dog that's been trained to attack people? Get down on their level and I fuck them. Say goodbye to your face, you try that shit. But that dog, he wasn't trained well enough because they're not supposed to do that. Not if they're trained properly. I just felt bad for the kid. It was so cute. Dog got him in the ear side of his face. I think that, you know, they'll retire that dog. You know, he's nine years old. He should know better. You don't go back to the drawing board at that point, all right? The officer that works with him will probably end up adopting him. But can you imagine? It's a community event. The police trying to build trust within the community. Then they bring Barry, the canine dog, with him. The parents are like, hey, Billy, look at the nice police doggy. Next thing you know. Oh, shit. What the fuck? Your dog's eating my kid's face. You watch what happens next. The parents are going to sue the police department. Okay, we can say that, right? Then they're going to ask to see this dog's performance record. And we're going to find out. And Barry's a, a known racist. Hates people. He's attacked innocent homeless people in the past. Was probably involved in the insurrection at the Capitol. He's got a habit of biting perps in the balls and frequently dry humps other police dogs on the force. We find out he's he's gotten three other dogs on the force pregnant, paid them off to keep them from going public, suspended three years ago for sexual harassment. Then they find Nazi paraphernalia hanging up in his dog crate. (laughs) So long, Barry. He's the Derek Chauvin of police dogs. All right, I'm being ridiculous now. That's it for me this week. Although, man, I cannot leave that story alone. I'm planning something for next week. I think you're going to like it. All right, thanks again for listening. Theme song from this episode is Into the Black by the Chromatics, which I have remixed just for you. Because, hey, I got damn skills. If you like the song, you can follow the link on the website, inane.filnagash.com and purchase the full version. 
Until next week, my name is Phil. This has been Inane. Salud. Salud.